Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Conversation the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. In this episode, I talk with Dan and Adrian. This is the third installment of our series called The Cycle of an Employee or The Cycle of Talent. And today we're talking about how to retain top talent. So last week we talked about how to engage your talent once they've come onto the team, but how do we retain them? How do we get long-term success with somebody that we bring onto the team? We talk all about it in this episode. As an additional resource to this podcast and all of our podcasts really is the ebook that Dan wrote called The Change Imperative. You can go to change-imperative.com. We'll also link it in the description. Go ahead and grab a free copy. That's right, a free copy of that book. It will change the way you affect change in your organization. Let's dive into the conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Conversation, the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. I'm here with Adrian and Dan. How are you, fellas? Great. Thank you. Uh, So this is our fourth installment in the life cycle of talent or life cycle of an employee. And I've been loving this conversation, uh, being a part of it. I've also got great feedback on this conversation and and the help, uh, how helpful it's been for people and just a really in-depth, detailed look at what it is we're doing with each other in the workplace. What are we about? And uh, today we're talking about talent retention. Last conversation that set us up really nice for this conversation, we talked all about, um, uh, uh, (laughs) what was it? We talked about talent. uh, Engagement. engagement. Yeah, thank you. Engagement. Um, Which is is a crucial conversation when we talk about talent retention. Um, So in this conversation, I do want to make sure we're clear, though, as we go into it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting, more interesting conversation than just the do's and don'ts of benefits and uh, perks and raises and um, and promotions. We're going to talk about that stuff. But beyond the do's and don'ts, we want to dive into uh, how do we investigate our talent retention? How do we think about it? What's the philosophies that we hold in order to create an atmosphere and a culture in which our best talent, those who complement our culture the most, want to stick around? What are the questions we can ask ourselves as leaders to evaluate what we provide for our people? Most leaders just want to be told, here's what you give them and they'll stick around. Here, you put a ping pong table in, you give them endless energy drinks, and you got them forever, which if if you've tried that, you know that doesn't work. Um, so, uh, so I want to start off just talking about this idea of talent retention. I know a lot of our clients that we work with, this is a hot topic. We spend a lot of time uh, with leaders talking about talent retention, whether they're having a problem keeping talent that they want or they're trying to find the talent that, that they want and they want to be able to keep them, all that kind of stuff. So why does this take up so much, uh, uh, um, square footage of our work? Like, why is this such a large part of the, of the work that we do with our clients? Adrian, you want to go first? Sure. Well, you know, I naturally probably approach the world as an athlete. Um, grew up as an athlete, try to act like an athlete now. Um, that doesn't work so well all the time. Just went for a run this morning. My knees hurt. Um, but I naturally think as an athlete, and I, grew, and I grew up playing team sports. And 
And I was just what came to mind when you're talking about this, Chad, was was uh, the last dance. You guys, I'm sure everybody now has seen the last dance. So oh good. Oh my gosh. You know, and and it one of the themes of that is what happens when a teammate's going crazy. <laughs> right? On that side. It's also what happens when a teammate makes a stand. Oh man, that moment that Pippin won't go in. Yeah. Oh, so good. Right? So for I mean, we, we talk about a lot with our companies and many of our companies are thriving and they're on their way up or they're in this really important shift, you know, where the thriving is the vision. Right. So they are actually simplifying, getting crystal clear, you know, raising the level of conviction inside the organization. And you do all that stuff because there's a future that's that is calling you. Like there's something that as a leader team, leadership team, you must have. You're giving yourself to, you're throwing yourself at it. And you're and every great leader knows I can only go as far as the team I've built around me. Now, crappy leaders don't know that. That's why they're crappy leaders. Great leaders know that, that I can only go as far as the team that I build around me. So if you've got an essential strategy and 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 as a part of that is the quality of the people that you have around you, losing any component, any element, any puzzle piece is can be literally catastrophic. Yeah. So why is this important? Because the future is at stake. Well, and there's a, you know, it, it, like you said, leaders who aren't savvy or just let's say naive or inexperienced, whatever right. it is, um, tend to they they don't realize the cost of turnover. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking about a complex situation because there's so much that feeds into retaining great talent. And the cost of turnover is about three uh, years salary of, a, of an executive to yeah. replace them sometimes. Yep. So that, that, and that's what the studies show. So it's a big cost to the organization, not to mention all the the breakdowns that occur or the weight that has to go on the other team members to make up for that position until somebody can get up and do it. And one of the, I think one of the, the big misnomers is that people are looking for great talent in the sense that they're skilled, right? But there are two parts of great talent, right? There's competency and attitude. And I've been on, you know, we've all heard the story of, if you, you know, you take a look at watching Jackson with the bulls back in, you know, when, when uh, Jordan was there, you know, Jordan was on that team for a while. They hadn't won a championship until Phil Jackson came along and was able to generate a way of working together that synergized that organization. And that means he's got to risk losing people like Jordan. You know, of course, he wants to get them on board, but it's like getting the talent aligned. And when you're really skilled, there's a lot of egos in play and a lot of blind spots in play. And so how do you get the respect, the attention of the organization so that not only are you aligning great you know, uh, expertise or good expertise, like I'll take somebody who's good expertise wise, who's got, you know, may not be as accomplished as somebody else, but their attitude is absolutely aligned with what the organization's about. They connect how they get ahead by having the team get ahead. I think that's another big distinction. It's like, look, man, I'm only as good as the team. And if I haven't made that connection, like I'm only as good as we are as a team, I could run for a million touchdowns, but if we lose the game, who cares? I mean, like, what does that mean? I might feel good and look good about my performance, but I'm not going to playoffs and we're not getting the big money. Right. Yeah. 
And so that's not that if you think about a guy or gal running an organization and they depend heavily on somebody who's very talented, but that person thinks they're running the organization and they're competing and you've got two different organizations or two different visions and they're building that kind of dis disparity against like, like they're building it's, it's, it becomes polarized. My team against the organization. We know how the organization should be run, etc. cetera. Well, now you've got a, a civil war internally and, and you're not going to produce, you're probably going to fall short of your de deliverables. You're going to wonder how to do it. You're going to be frustrated because you can't penetrate the attitude that's that's um, bottlenecking the, the, the synergy that could occur, right? So that a lot of our work is around knowing where and what to listen for to intervene in that, to open up a possibility. But I, I have to say, in order to do that, one has to be willing to lose to win, right? If you play not to lose, you can't win. And that's that's not, a, you know, I don't mean that to be any cliche because I really understand the gravity in that. that. As a leader, as you're sitting there, you're going, shit, I could lose. You know, I'm trying to deliver this on time. I could lose Adrian Kaler. If I had this conversation with him, he might blow out. If but, I push him, yeah. yeah might push him out. And then what am I going to do? Yeah. Right. I, then I've got how do I fill that hole or, you know, we've all been there, but we that's constantly what we're if we're not in that conversation with with our clients, we're not doing our job because that's really at the heart of the organization of getting the organization up. Yeah. What, what I, I hear what I hear in that, Dan, is is it's not enough to, to actually reach what you want. Um, to realize your goals, to realize what the vision is. It's not enough just to keep good talent around. No. It's, it's, right. <laughs> they've got to be in the right place on the bus, and they've got to be clear about, you know, they're, they're, they've got to be dedicated to what everybody else is dedicated to. That's how you get that. It starts to create that phenomenon of leadership, right? When everybody's aligned and committed to and connected their personal agendas to the larger agenda, there's a greater chance that leadership's going to start to emerge because hmm. there's something worth fighting for that's bigger than me. And I get that I'm served by fighting for it. That's great. You know, what came to mind for me as you're talking about, and I don't think about this on a daily basis, and I'm pretty sure most people that are leading a company don't think about this on a daily basis, but you know, how much energy goes into being disengaged. Um, and I, I, There's studies on that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 30% of the time, the average employee is 30% of the time disengaged. Yep. And especially when it is, when people are on their way, are perpetually on their way out. Because yeah. you know, losing someone doesn't happen on a day. Losing someone is usually you know, a quarterly issue or it happens over a series of weeks, months, maybe even years. Like you've lost them already and they've stayed around collecting money from you as they keep looking for their next thing or keep plotting their next deal or, you know, planning their escape. That's that's very expensive, not only on the bottom line, but also expensive to these really the psyche of the organization. You know, yeah, yeah. like a, like an infection. Yes. Right. Because I'm, it gets on everybody else. For the yeah. human as well, right? There's a lot of energy involved, which is what you're saying, Adrian. There's a lot of energy involved being out halfway out the door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, I mean, let's like a scenario. I'll give you a scenario I watched. 
some I've worked on this team. We turned we, it was a turnaround we did. Um, I raised some money with a group of people. We went into this company and and worked with them and turned it around and then sold the company. In the process, there were some there were two very renowned executives that were high producers, and I watched. And one of them had a she was the CMO, chief marketing officer, and she was in a comp competition or a battle with the CF with the CEO because she thought she could run the company better. And um, when I talked to the CEO about it, she said, oh, she'll get off. And I go, I don't think she's going to get off it. And, you know, at least you should address it. Now, I, she's, you know, I can't afford to lose her. Then I watched within, so I'm, and I was involved, I was chief of staff and I was working with uh, their team and we'd be in a meeting and I was watching, there were two very talented young uh, women who were just powerhouses, working for this woman who was also a powerhouse, the CMO. And they were, as they looked up to her, in order to relate to her, they took on her conversation about the CEO. Right. And when we finally cleaned that thing out, we lost those two as well. Yeah. Because the CMO went somewhere else and took them, but it, and it didn't work out. One of the gals came back and reapplied. We, we rehired her and realigned her attitude, talked about, broke down what didn't work. But I watched, I took notes on it. And I kept telling the CEO, this the CEO, one, one time I got in a pretty intense conversation with the CMO and she went in and complained to the CEO. CEO calls me and goes, you know, don't, don't, like, don't, mess with the water here. And we don't want to mess that up. I go, it, it, that's part of our bottleneck. We were trying to raise money. And of course, the CMO didn't believe in the CEO. So she didn't raise any money. And then she was really dim in the in the investor meetings. Right. So you can and that was attitudinal. Could this woman raise it? Yes, she could if she wanted to. Right. But but that's a big deal. And I don't think we stop and think about I don't at least I know I have to really be conscious about that like what what are the costs of yeah. keeping this going well we you know what came to mind when you were talking dan is i think you were the first one ever told me about it um how the, and how etymologically the idea of gossip is witchcraft you know, yeah and that's a lot of and this is kind of a, maybe a weird idea for this podcast but but it, but it's worth it's worth it's, it's i mean this is what i'm talking about and this is what you just talked about right in yeah. order you said it, you know, beautifully. Like in order to relate to the CMO, those two juniors that were powerhouses and full of potential and full of possibility and all these things, actually had to take on the spell. That's you know, right. the CMO was casting a spell. If we just use, I mean, the conversation. This was like to break that. So you think about it, it's really interesting because that that nomenclature of witchcraft is actually the nomenclature for envy. Right. And that's so if you can break it down from that superstitious, you know, and the, the metaphor into what is it really talking about? It's talking about if I'm in competition with right. somebody, I tend to I'm not going to be as forthcoming, as uh, transparent and as open right. as if I'm on the same team for the same vision. And the right. way that I compensate is gossip, slander and tail bearing because I'm competing for that position. And if I can't get it, I'm going to keep them from having it. That's and right. you're right. The conversation, you know, it's innuendo. If I said, if I said to you, Hey man, did you know, I, I just, we shouldn't talk about Chad too much, but you're aware of what's happening with he and his family, right? No, no, I don't know. Is he okay? We can talk about it later. Oh, okay. Right. Now you, then you're, then you're like, then you go, when you meet Chad, you're like, 
what's up with with Chad, right? And that's how that thing works, man. And, and it's like all of a sudden now you're not as connected to Chad because I don't want you to be as connected to Chad as I want you to be to what I want to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think I got to move Chad out of the way to do what I want to do. And that that's everyday kind of stuff. And if people aren't aware of it, it's not, it's like, it's like human being. If I'm aware of it, I can get a hold of that conversation and I don't have to have it run me. In fact, I can resource it to, you know, to open up new possibilities. I can, I can use it as a flag that maybe there's some things for me to connect with chat about rather than down him. Yeah. Well, and why this connects and, and uh, for this conversation is usually we, th- we talk about retention, like it's a fact. What we don't think about is retention, like it's a whole set of factors, like there's yeah. a lot of things that lead like in, like a phenomenon, like yeah. it happens. Yeah, like like retention, like there are people on. If you if you're running a company, wonder this: who's on their way out and haven't talked about it? Yeah, because the behavior and there's probably behavior and language that's telling you that if you want to know, which you don't, because you think you're too busy to. to- <laughs> Well, it's like I don't have time for it. Well, you're going to believe me, pay now or pay later with penalties and interest, right? That's really, you got to get that parade of horribles in there. It's never going to work. I go to bed with Dan saying in my head, pay now or pay later with penalties and interest. (laughs) Which is the the knots come through the comb. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was one of your old grandfather's sayings, wasn't it? Yeah, it's he used to he used to say, "Junior, you know, you can put it off, put it off, but you just the knots are going to come through the comb. You're going to tear hair out. You don't need to tear out." Yeah, you can see I must have waited on a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, following in your footsteps <laughs> on my way. But there are, I mean, my my point here is like there's you talk about retention. You know, if you want to shift that that that. Uh, fact or that happening you the way to do that is get curious about what are the factors what leads what are the causative factors that lead into people leaving mm-hmm. you know and that's really as culture specialists on our end and uh engineers that's what we naturally listen for um and naturally get into is get into all the com- the conversational nature of leaving right people leave on a certain day and blah 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 and they talk to hr about it but they've they're usually going for a while yeah this is I, I love that you just framed it that way, Adrian, because you don't ever hear somebody say, I left the company because they didn't provide enough free energy drinks. Right. Or I left the company because there weren't ping pong tables. Sure. So I love the I love the reversal frame because the other frame of like, what what can we do to keep people to or get people to stay? You, you can go off on, I mean, there's all the, the yeah. world is your oyster, right? Like there's a million things you could say could keep people to stay or keep people. But when you talk about why do people leave, the, it, it narrows it quickly. Well, you can, I mean, so if we got down into some of the distinction, distinctives on this, when people externalize, when I externalize my experience, that's the sign that I'm on my way out. It, it, I didn't do this because of you. I didn't, uh, I don't like, it's like what I don't like and what I do like is because of everything around me versus, oh my goodness, I am generating the conversation that in, that makes me like or dislike something or see the possibility or not in something. It is 
something I've decided, but we, I know I run around often automatically thinking, oh, it's the way that person's talking to me is what's pissing me off versus what I'm making up about what that person's saying is what's pissing me off. And if I get a hold of that, then I can regenerate my experience and find new ways to talk about it, to approach it, to find new possibility. Right. And But when you hear somebody locked into, it's because of the organization, which is a nebulous nothing, a concept, a construct, or it's my boss, or it's, you know, whatever. If it's externalized, you know this person's on their way out. Yeah. Or, I mean, they're on their way out, or they ought to be. And yeah. here's what I mean, right? It's like if... If they if if they're doing that externalization, everybody's listening has done that. I know I do that all the time, mm-hmm. and and I don't even notice it. Um, but I think one of the one of the things to notice is when anybody starts to believe that the externals are creating my internals, and I don't like the externals, therefore I don't like my internals, my experience. Then I really don't have. There's a handful of things that I've given up if I believe that, right? I give up my own future because now I don't get to have a future. My my circumstances or the person that I report to or the board that I work with or the team I have under me or the market, fill in the blank. Something else gets to create my future for me. And that's, you know, not as good. Um, and there's no power there. I don't have any, I, I, I don't have any power. I don't get to shift things. I don't get to make things happen anymore. And for any high powered person, of course, that's not going to last very long. Um, and like there's very, I end up dreading, end up walking into something with a sense of dread because it's useless. Like I, I'm going to go to this meeting and have this, it sounds like this. I'm going to go talk to that guy, but I know it's not going to work. You know, we're going to do this thing. We're going to try this new strategy, but I got to deal with fill in the fill in the blank person. Yeah. I'll play along for three weeks, but I know it's not going to happen. Yeah. Or, Hey, you know what? If we, if we, if this meeting, what we really need to talk about is this, but F it, I'm going to just fine. I'm just here. I'll, I'll sit in the meeting for 30 minutes. Or, or, you know, we need to make this change, but there's no use in trying. They're not going to listen. Right. They're not going to listen to me. Yep. And that very well may, may may be true. They may not listen to you yep. the first time. But just getting people to notice where they – because now you're in a resigned position. That's right. That's right. You're well, at effect. At effect. Yeah. So my point in bringing it up is anytime you notice that attitude, um, something needs to sh- – I mean, there's a known – there's a known future to that attitude and it's not good, right? It is maybe they'll stay along, but they're definitely not going to be fully engaged. And because we're all humans, they're probably going to take other people with them. Yeah. At least attitudinally might be like your story, take people and leave and blow out and, you know, throw a grenade while they're leaving the, 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 uh, the building. Um, so, you know, if people don't have a, can't have a fresh sense that they have, that work for them is an opportunity to really fully express themselves, really bring everything they've got to the table and to be seen, to be heard for their opinions, to be wondered about, to be integrated. They can make a difference here. Other people see me experience me. I like it. I feel, you know, I get to work with people, you know, all these types of things we want that are meaningful in our lives. If people lose a vision for that, um, then they're already on their way out. It, and so the question for, for most folks is, 
hey, of all the the what's not working and all of what isn't, you know, satisfying or all the frustrations, what do you really want here? Do you want or do you still want to go to bat? Do you still want to have the ball? Do you still want to lead here? Mm-hmm. And yeah. really what's missing in order for you to have that experience for you? What's not, I mean, what's missing? There might be things that are missing externally um, that need to be generated, but you'd have yeah. to be the generator of it. Like, oh, I don't, you know, I work with this person and they don't listen to me. Okay, that's just, let's say that's true. What's next? Do you want to go have a conversation with them about that? Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because in the corporate culture, like we've talked about this, where the organization is made up of people and processes and structure. And so what most executives do is they, when they see something not working, they externalize. They want to change the people, the processes, or the structure before they've actually checked into the fourth but invisible reality, which is how we work together. And that's all in the conversation, the conversational nature of reality. That's in how are we relating to one another? And what does that open up or close down for me personally, for the team, et cetera? And how can I engage a conversation to bring what's wanted and needed that I see that I think is wanted and needed to the surface so it can be act on, acted on? Yeah. And that that is... That takes some, that's an art and a science. There's a science to it. And what's really interesting, when we start to lay out that science, I always hear, well, that's a little too much lecturing. I don't know if I, you know, people don't want to get, there's a, there's actually a way of relating to how we're relating. <laughs> you know, it's like, it starts internally and works externally. And there, if you don't make these distinctions, it's kind of like, you've got to work with people to look, to notice what they're listening for. So if they're listening for something out there needs to be fixed, they're going to be looking at structure or process or people. But if they're thinking about, hmm, I want, because those are the symptoms. That's where the symptoms show up. But it usually it's generated in the culture, which is how we work together, how we relate together, what's acceptable to say, what's not acceptable to say. How can we make what's not acceptable to be said to be said so we can get to it because it's going on. Yeah. And we can help people regenerate the new the possibility for why they came there in the first place. Yeah. And it sounds like you're speaking from uh from an experience we're currently having. Yeah, well, we're in it now. But I have to <laughs> times. I mean, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, I've had it in many I'm sure. It's always the case. But it's but it's never the same. You know, it's like it's where uniquely each organization is uniquely the same. We're, the same principles are in place, but the expression is unique. Yeah. And what's crazy is if it hasn't been tended to, if the culture hasn't been nurtured like a garden, taken care of consciously in everybody's mind, we keep it up, particularly the executives, then you're going to have a very scattered culture. People, multiple little conclaves, enclaves in the culture that either line up or don't. And, and in some ways may and may not. And getting those straight is, is a, it's a work. It's a diligent work. And it's, it's the work that most executives or many executives aren't, don't, they get frustrated because they're not, they don't have a real map and a way to listen for it. You mentioned, um, you mentioned, and we went into uh, really a lot of depth into this in the first episode in this series where we talked about uh, uh, hiring and uh, recruitment. But, you know, we talk about, you talk about the two characteristics, 
characteristics might not be the, the best word, but both attitude and um, competency, competency yeah. right? Words are hard for me today. Um, <laughs> right, it's well, a verbal medium, no problem. So competency is really easy to measure for, right? That's a resume. Here, yes, yeah. it's a resume. It's you can it's test. test. Yeah. yeah, maybe you give them a problem coming in. I mean, that's pretty easy. Most people are not measuring attitude, and right. we we have a tool that will do this, right? And so, what's yeah. so in what's so cool for me is that as I have this conversation with leaders of like, I don't know how to measure attitude. I don't know how to measure what they ultimately what we're talking about when we talk about attitude, I think is what will they need to stick around yeah, and, and, and to integrate into the culture. Right. Um, and so I would love to hear you guys just talk a minute about some of the things that are needed, like some of the categories of things that are needed and how we go about like the Harrison is a, an amazing tool to measure how people show up in that and what they what's wanted and needed usually for them to to feel like they're valued in those areas. Yeah, it, there's a, you know it's interesting because what you're taught there's a we use the Harrison to measure, but why we measure is just to give us an idea of what are going to be probably the most um, potentially transformative conversations to have first. Yeah. In other words, measuring it isn't to pigeonhole anybody. It's just to indicate where might this person get the most bang out of the conversation. And there are like uh, eight different, you know, expectations that that we can look into and give us an idea, like developmental expectations, how a person expects to, to be developed in the organization. There's remuneration expectations. Uh, authority expectations, like how much autonomy and who's who's the authority and who do I go to and, you know, how do I collaborate, that kind of thing. Social expectations, which has to do with social opportunities and, you know, that kind of stuff. Appreciation expectations, communication expectations, I think personal and work-life balance expectations. And understanding those different expectations enables me to Listen for, so for instance, in the developmental expectations, when you interview somebody, there are a lot of conversations that are hard to get to. And when you're developing them, same thing. And, you know, one of the things is to understand how much they want to be developed. Do they really want to be developed? How enthusiastic are they about their goals? How willing are they to improve themselves? How much do they want advancement and how much do they want challenge? So if, for instance, if somebody really wants to be developed in the organization professionally, but they're not enthusiastic about their goals and they don't, they resist improving themselves, and they, and they're, but they have a high desire to want to develop, you know that this person's gonna go through a lot of stress until they're willing to get, till they find goal, develop goals they're excited about, and they're and they're excited enough to improve themselves. Otherwise, the development's going to be stress strenuous, and they need to be aware of that. Doesn't mean you wouldn't take them on, but you want to create a sense of what it's going to take to get to where they want to go. And then, if they want to advance in the organization, and you're working with them, and they've got a high desire to advance, but they don't want to take challenges on then they've got to understand that their advancement's going to be retarded. It's going to be slower. And if they want to advance, 
there are challenges that that if they take them on, that's how they make their mark. I mean, understanding each area like that helps in listening in the conversation and knowing where this individual may or may not be tend toward. And then you can open up a, a supportive conversation and find out what's wanted and needed. And most of all, you can align expectations. I, I think that's, I mean, very helpful. I'm sure leaders have been listening that, oh my gosh, I haven't been thinking about any of that stuff. Um, but I think the, so a couple sides of it too, as a leader, if you're, if you've got that framework in place and we can help anybody get that framework in place, then there's a, then there, you, the game on helping the person really fully engaged gets a lot more nuanced and there's a lot more possibilities, a lot more, uh, you know, it gets creative, gets creative, right? And you can, as, as a leader, you're probably into watching people come alive. So there's lots of knobs you can turn and levers you can pull and all that. But also, uh, just so it doesn't go without saying, in these types of conversations also equip the listener. They equip the player on the field to know what they need. You know, there might just be, for, especially if they're younger or junior or on their way up or whatever, you yeah. know, they might be having an experience called frustration, but they don't know why they're so frustrated. Mm-hmm. And human beings naturally externalize. Um, and don't you because we don't have the language for what's going on for us internally or no one's been specific enough with us saying, hey, hey, by the way, you might be frustrated because this and this and this and, it, and giving language to experience gives people power naturally. They now they get it. They get kind of find their feet. Yeah. You, you, you said it. they're taking their power back. Right. You're helping them see where they've given the power externally. And then it's an invitation to take it back. And then now what do you want to do with it? That's right. So, you know, if you give language for what advancement could look like and what they really want. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's usually that transformation, that kind of transformation is in plain sight. I mean, if you think about it. So when we say challenge, let's say my manager, I feel um, that they haven't really been uh, equitable with me. They haven't. I've done a lot of work. They haven't recognized it. I haven't got the raise, et cetera, et cetera. And so the person gets fairly victimized by that and upset and angry. In that discussion, one of the challenges is, hey, have you talked to your manager about, oh, no, shit, they won't listen. Okay, well, that's one of the challenges that's necessary to answer, to find the way to what's what you really want, right? And, well, what if they don't give it to me? Well, well, let's, well we might learn something about what you need to do to get it. If it's unjust or they're not willing to talk, well, then that opens up the, an escalation. It's like, oh, well, I, I could get, you know, th- then they have to come out, right? And this, now we're developing the character of the organization. Yeah. In that now we're opening up the transparency and the openness. And and that's that's part of what, that's part of the challenge, right? Those are just small examples of answering the challenge just to advance. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm thinking about one specific person and in, in company. Uh, this was a junior person I started working with. And it becoming some larger work in the company. But whenever it came for her, it, all these reviews that would happen, you know, we did a lot of work in the coaching context about how to show up to the review, how to do the pre-work for the review, how to ask questions beforehand, and even to make sure the reviewer was ready. Because in yeah. most corporations, reviewers don't give a shit most yep. of the time, right? They're just there to check a box and I'm done and you're great and let's move on. But she became, because of all the thinking we did together and all the prep she did, she became really dangerous. 
in the oh, best. Of I know who you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Because then she came in asking this, saying, hey, I want this percentage increase. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm guessing you're not going to give it to me. So I want I'll take this lesser number now. But to, but let's get clear in this review about the conversation that's going to happen in the next review. So what needs to happen in the next six months for me to get that pay increase then? And that level of like clarity and then and the, the reviewer didn't know. Right. Of course, like they they hadn't thought about what it would take to give this person the level of raise. But, you know, she took responsibility for her own advancement. Yeah. This, is what has happened, right? Like, I'm not going to let them, I don't need them to advance me. I'm going to add natural pressure because of who I am. I'm going to add pressure to the system and I'm going to force, you know, force, make, encourage, invite the people, the people above me to join me in a conversation I'm having about what it takes to advance here. Yeah. And what you're, what you're naturally doing there is you're aligning the person's personal agenda yeah. with accomplishment of the organization with the vision. And if the org and then for the individual, if they don't respond, then you get to ask yourself, do I want to work here? That's right. I'm choosing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that opens up another set of conversations. So That's it's right. just getting these things into the light and having them be conscious and, and, and understanding these distinctions kind of working with them enables you to, get excited about entering into difficult conversations or conflicted conversations because you can have confidence that even though you don't know exactly what to do, you have a compass, you have an idea of what to listen for and how to converse to get clear and to start ordering that chaos so yeah. that you can make choices, right? Well, and I mean, it probably, let's just say this, you know, the, the person she was meeting with didn't know what to say, literally. Yeah. Didn't That's know what I was going to say. More, more often than not, they're, they're and this is, we're mostly speaking to the leaders here. You don't know what to say when somebody comes to you and says, what exactly do I need to do to get this pay increase and this promotion? Yeah. Most leaders in my experience see that person as a threat because that's a pain in the ass conversation, right? We'd rather, <laughs> you we'd have to rather commit to something. on the surface level, we'd rather not, be, we'd rather not be bothered because we're busy and blah, blah, blah. But even more than that now, uh-oh. The, there's a new game in town. I now have to satisfy this person, which takes more effort and more, you know, intentionality. I'm now at stake in the relationship. So just to, to note the, the the experience of the leader in that situation, that it's 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 kind of that oh shit conversation. <laughs> and these are the type of people you want. You want people that are willing to throw themselves out there, saying, "Hey, I." want more because I'm going to give more, right? There's more value that I'm going to create. And if I create this amount of value, I want to see a return. That's the yeah. type of people you want in the organization. While we might intrinsically, and people probably don't even notice this when it happens, shrink back from it because I just, there's not enough time, money, blah, blah, blah. But if you're in, the, as a leader, if you're in the conversation in a certain way and you're with them in a certain way, they will generate revenue. They will right. save you time. Yeah, well, you're you're really hitting on where organizations begin to create apathy, because look, where individual leaders can create apathy on their team is when this individual comes along. What they're really asking for is a sense of succession planning. Yeah, mm -hmm. and what the what they what they do in their requests is they force, if you will, the conversation, or they cause me as the leader to think about how where is this person going to be valuable? Where could I utilize them the, the most in the future? How do they get themselves there? 
And if I'm unwilling to be dominated by my vision that way, then I'm going to push them away. I'm going to create some racket to put them off. And, and when I do that, I'm sending the message that they're not that important. And I begin the process of them exiting. They're going to begin, and then I'm going to wonder why I lose great talent. What I'm going to find are people who don't want to disturb me. And then I'm going to wonder why the organization isn't cutting edge or why we're not competing as well as we could. And how come people aren't taking these things on? I have to tell them everything. We've heard all the, how come I've got to sit down and tell this guy, why doesn't he think about what he has to do? Well, because you you haven't probably, when they come to you, you, you don't want to be bothered with what they're up to or what they're concerned with because you're so committed to what you're concerned with and you can't see how to connect them, don't want to be bothered with it, right? And that starts that apathetic uh, breeding apathy into the organization. Yeah. And then they start talking around the water cooler and we've got silos and we're off to the races. Yeah. Well, I'm, it, I'm thinking about what actually also happens on the ground typically – and I mean, most exec teams that I know have a disconnected, in the nicest sense, uh, relationship to HR. It's mostly least disconnected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually leaders let a good portion of this conversation go to the HR department. Mm-hmm. And HR leaders naturally think structurally, most of my experience, most of them naturally think structurally. And structure and like promotions, if promotions are about structure and about if pay increases are about the policy, then now what you've built in is this apathy, right? There is a, there's nothing I can do. You know, we ta- Ali and I were on a run this morning talking about the distinctions between capitalism and socialism. Socialism. There's really nothing I can do. I have to wait for big brother to allow me to do something. And if these conversations sit or, or as leaders, if you're punting them to HR and letting HR deal with the uh, promotion conversation and pay conversation, you're missing out. Cause it shouldn't be, it's not one about structure. It's really one about possibility and what someone can generate. Now you can't do that in every organization and anybody that's barking about that. I hear it. But for the most, like this is a leadership conversation and a possibility conversation and a capacity, personal capacity conversation. And it's really a vision conversation, which the HR person to in their defense typically isn't with the person enough. They don't know the person well enough. They're not usually ingrained in um, the conversation about the future deeply, uh, deeply enough to have that powerful engagement. So they're set up to just talk about structure. And the leader sometimes punts to them because they don't want to deal with the tension. But if you yeah. bring it home and make it a leadership conversation and a generating value conversation, well, then it breaks up the apathy is my point. Yeah. And you could build that value into the organization. That's right? right. And then the individuals can be like the more open and transparent individuals can be entrepreneurial within the context of the vision of the organization how they can advance themselves and the organization, you know, how they can contribute to that and how that's going to both benefit the organization and themselves. So it's a great point. It's like you may not, you know, like you said, in some organizations or not every leader is going to be able to do that. However, they can build that into the HR department and and that consciousness and individuals can be entrepreneurial in that regard so that they understand how to negotiate a better, a deeper relationship, a more, you know, more rewarding relationship, both 
financially and experientially by negotiating their way in into that right yeah. that's a that can be done but that's that's a work and that needs to start as early as possible because as the organization grows and it's more and more difficult to generate that you can still do it but it takes more and more courage yeah yeah I, I'm like um really nerdy I guess because this conversation just really excites me <laughs> this is so fun I'm getting so much out of this and uh you know I'm I'm thinking as you guys are talking what I'm hearing is I've had clients and I'm sure both of you have come to me and say hey I've got this guy or this gal they're asking for a raise or they're asking for a promotion and I don't know if the timing's right I don't know if it's I don't know how to look at this and evaluate their value that they're bringing to the table, yada, yada, yada. And what I'm hearing you say is that the groundwork for this conversation is laid long before the promotion or the raise is asked for. Yeah. Meaning this, there is an opportunity as a leader to get very clear for yourself what it takes to advance in the company. And at what point that happens, what it takes to make more money in the company and, and when that can be evaluated and when that can happen. And it's less, it's less about the structure and more about the investment, more about the, uh, you know, the, the, the togetherness, I guess. I don't have a, I don't have a better word for it, but um, I just, I don't know. This is exciting. One of the questions I was going to ask or the final question I was going to ask, we need to kind of give some final remarks here on this, on this episode. But, you know, I, I had written down putting that scenario out to you two of a client comes to you and says, Hey, I've got this person, uh, a leader comes to you and says, Hey, I got this person who's wanting advancement, wanting more money. Um, but I don't know what to do. How do you start to coach them? How do you start to help them evaluate and ask uh, meaningful questions around this conversation. Well, I usually start the conversation. Well, what do you want with this? What do you, as a leader, what do you see for this person? You know, because if if they see a big future with this person, then that's then that's distinct from if they think they're just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because everything comes out of a view of the future. So I want the leader to get clear instead of hey, I got to deal with this conversation you know, which they might be just, I got to deal with this. I need an answer for them. Um, that comes from, there's not a lot of possibility in the conversation probably, because if, if you, if you really want this person to thrive in the organization and then you're in, you're in there in, having a conversation about money and finance and, and money and, and title and all that stuff and opportunities in order to make that vision happen, that's a very different conversation. So I'll start there thinking, well, what do you want? Um, what, what's your vision for this person? What's the biggest, what's their best use? How do they make the biggest splash, their biggest impact and a handful of those types of conversations, just so they get clear on the context for them about why having the, uh, having the right conversation, the most impactful integrated convo is important because there is a future that they want. So that's where I start. Yeah. And the next, I, I would start, I would start there as well. And then the next question is, have you had, once I've identified these specific conversations, my question is, have you had these conversations with the employee, with your you know, uh, executive or whoever? And if the answer is no, then it's what's wanted needed to get, because if, if I if I think they're, you know, they're all right, but they, there's a lot for them to do before I could see them moving to here. Have you had that conversation? Yeah. No, I, I just don't, because I'm afraid it'll disappoint them and they won't produce. 
or some other, you know, racket. But really, that's where it's in that conversation that you find out the quality of the person that's there. You help them develop themselves skills-wise and attitudinally characterize. And, and they will take, even though it might be a difficult conversation, if they're really in, they're going to be respected because then now they know what's wanted and needed for them to move up and to be somebody you would value in succession, right, in the succession of the organization. So I found that a lot of times, a lot of times leaders just won't have those conversations because they're afraid of hurting the present productivity. When I, and my point is, you can't, you can't lose in these conversations because it's either going to increase them or you're going to find out that this person really isn't who you thought they were. Uh, they're not in that place and they probably need to do something other than this. Right. Yeah. You know, another, another combo worth having or piece to it um, is seeing how they had the conversation about this before. Meaning, you know, are they delivering? Cause every, every job has a promise to it. Right. And it's either been explicit or most jobs have implicit promises. Um, so if they haven't done much accounting for, uh, have they delivered on the value at the previous pay scale? You know, are you delivering as a conversation worth having? Like, are you exceeding expectations? You know, and has that been quantifiable? And lots of those, if a conversation about advancement, I'd say it this way, if a conversation about advancement actually has a tinge of entitlement to it, oh, I've been here long enough. So now I'm advancing. I mean, I've been I've been in companies where there were so many VPs, like there are almost no other employees. Almost everybody was a VP because if you were there long enough, you just got promoted, you know, and they didn't want to lose you. So they just the title meant nothing as they went up because they had to give you a title to keep you around. And I, got, I got a great story. I did a turnaround with this company. Um and we came in, they had 18 execs. <laughs> and within six months, we were down to six executives. So we're 18 execs, 4 million in revenue. The next year, we we're down to six executives, and we were up to 7 million in revenue. But it was exactly that. And yeah. it, 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 we really wanted to, you know, and everybody who exited, exited on their own. They saw that was really their best interest. I think we only fired one person, one exec. Yep. That's great. Sure. You know, well, you want you want the advancement conversation to, where you're actually inviting the person to be more at stake. Yeah. And if the places where they haven't if the places where they haven't delivered historically on what they said they would. And that's quarterly goals or yearly goals or whatever. If they haven't and, you, and you're not going to have that conversation, then the next one's really a farce because you're actually not holding them to anything because you haven't held them to what they said before. Yeah. Exploring that in a way that's open. And it's like, yeah, well, let's talk about it. So I, I, I will like, if, if you like the person, I really want you here. I see a big future and get clear about what that is. I really want that. But anytime I want to invite you into something new, I want to make sure we close off what's old. So let's talk about where we've been together, because if I give you this, my expectations are going up. You know, if I'm going to pay you more, expect more, give you more people to manage, the expectations, expectations are going to go a lot higher. And one of the biggest things that's necessary for that to work is to build and have trust and talk about things that are uncomfortable. Like, did you deliver or not? That's actually a factual conversation. That's very personal. You know, so but being able to have that debrief about where we've been before we get into where we're going, I think is usually a skip step by most people. And if you're not willing to do that, then there's more trouble on the way. So it's worth exploring.
But yeah. that, 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 and that creates the case, by the way, right? So it's not, it's not I mean, the advancement is actually an, an, an uh, the inv advancement is an investment, right? I'm investing in new results. I know at this level of investment, we got this ROI for the company. If I go to this level of investment and put more people under you, here's what I'm expecting, right? So then the expectations can go up and you both, you know, spit shake and pinky swear that that's where things are headed, right? That's yeah. Well, that's a very that's a very different conversation than a seniority conversation, which that's is, right. you know, it, it, it's a real problem, a seniority conversation, because it's you only, you know, it's like, but if in an organization, and I'm thinking about one of our clients that's really strong in this way, that they're where, where you're only as good as, you know, you're only as good as the last time you're up. You certainly have respect and people are going to have credibility and you're going to get consideration because you've got seniority. There's certain um, privileges to seniority because you've produced over a long period of time. And to go forward and continue, uh, it's like keep like, what am I producing now? How maybe I'm maybe I'm dis, maybe I'm imparting my experience into other leaders. Maybe, you know, there's different ways to add value to the organization, right? So, but that requires the willingness both for the employee or the executive to take an entrepreneurial stance about their own development and for the organization to meet them in the conversation and be honest with each other. Yep. Because sometimes exiting is the thing to do. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. In a couple hours, I'll talk to a client of mine that's at Nike and she has been the picture of this, right? She has been promoted twice in the last nine months, literally in, in, in her own words to me, I just skipped 10 years in my career. So awesome because Nike is, Nike's huge and everything's very striated and they need to create a whole bunch of structure because they want to keep people. They got to keep a lot of people. And these are all high advancing people. So you typically move people very slowly through the process. She hasn't done that. She's moved really quickly through the process, which has been quite disruptive to the process. She's the youngest person at her level. And, you know, and she's how has she done it? She's done it by caring all, more about the team than mm -hmm. most people around. That's how she's done it. You know, it's a doggy dog culture, and that's part. I mean, Nike's very naturally competitive, and all of them are very hard driving. She's decided to really double down on how her team is doing and having all these difficult conversations. When we started working together, she said that was her number one goal is to become great at having difficult conversations, and she's done it. And she's gotten two promotions over the last nine months, which has made her uncomfortable. It's like, oh crap, it's work now, and and she's dealing with a lot of that envy stuff that's happening. Um, oh shit! I got what I wanted. I got what I wanted. Now I'm like way elevated, but it's because she got clear about advancement for herself, and you know she's got high hopes in the company. I mean, super. I mean, um, you know. But there congratulations are. on that. That's a big win for you too, man. I mean, yep. you know, she, she came it, back to the table excited, no problem, renewed. Yeah, yep. She's great. I mean, I they they're I mean, there's these as leaders, you notice them too. I would just always call them really ignitable people. Like if you if you give them a dime, they make a dollar out of it. Yeah, and she's like that. She's like in our conversations, and you guys probably you know you want to spur this on your own people. She, anything anything I tell her, she goes and puts it into practice the next week, and she comes back and reports on it. Hey, you said this. I did this. Here's how it worked. Here's how I chickened out. Here's what da 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 da. And she's just in the process of self development. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 somebody worth investing in because you know they're going to generate something beyond exponentially for her beyond what she was given and that she wants to do that and she's crystal clear about it like no apologies I'm going to make the most out of anything they give me and that's 
Yeah, she's she's amazing. So yeah, that's a, I mean, think about it as a coach. If the players on the field, you can actually do some work. That's Especially right. When they're like all out, they're like completely in. That's like a dream. Oh yeah, she's fun. Um, this has been a great conversation, gentlemen. Yeah, this is a great place. To let me put a cap on it too. I mean, as I think a lot of these conversations are, they are, I mean, let me say it this way. All these conversations are complex, like helping people become themselves, which is as a boss, that's what you're doing. You're creating an environment where people can develop, mature, take risks, learn, grow, deal with life, both on the professional side and the personal side. That's all coming to work. You know, that's really what you're doing. That's very complex. Naturally. I don't know a business leader that isn't, doesn't have the experience of being overwhelmed on a regular basis. There's a lot more going on than it seems like I have time and bandwidth and even experience to deal with. So it's a lot to deal with. And, and that's what you sign up for as a leader. And my, just to wrap here is like, if these are challenges for you, which I'm assuming they are, then don't be alone with it. I mean, we'd love to talk with you about it and at least part, you know, um, give whatever assistance we can give, like to help you figure this stuff out. I know you're into it and you're into a leader. You're as a leader, you care about your people and you want to be more and more savvy at ways to do that. So anyway, if this is a felt need, if you've heard some of this and realize, oh, there's like five or six things, man, that I'm not, I don't even know how to think about this. Definitely know how to operationalize. We'd love to just support you and whatever, give you our, give you our time in a conversation just to see how we can maybe support what you're up to and help you advance. Yeah. Um, Cause this is what we love doing. This is, we all salivate and we're all nerd out like Chad on, on these, on these conversations. This is, this is life worth living for me. So. Oh, I get excited at the weirdest stuff. I know. <laughs> it's so everybody. come outside of my body and just see you are a weirdo, man. But you get excited <laughs> about this stuff. It's great. That's fun. Well, this, this sets up, sets us up nicely for next week's conversation, which is going to be exiting all aspects of exiting, firing, um, downsizing, retiring, leaving, all of those sort of things. How do we show up as leaders when somebody is exiting our organization? And uh, you know, I, don't miss this one. That I mean, this one's going to be juicy. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. Yeah, love you, gentlemen. All right. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. Also, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing this podcast. Also, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing this podcast with the people in your life that are looking for a new way to lead and to relate to others. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of of the Naked Leadership Podcast.